Well, you look fantastic. I'm excited that we get to walk in, and uh, we're going to do a word study throughout Scripture on peace, and uh, specifically, and speaking of uh, getting ready to go into the study, ushers have the sermon sidekicks. If you want one of those to take notes, to do some devotions with throughout the week, feel free to grab one of those in this moment. Now, we are focused on peace, second Sunday of Advent. So, it's, it's repetition. It happens every time this particular Sunday, a few weekends out from Christmas, we will look at what the Word of God says, particularly with Mary and Joseph, about peace. And it happens again and again because I think we need to be reminded of it. It's, think about things that you're really good at. We're intended to be good at having peace and extending peace to illuminate it ourselves. Well, you know, if, if you're good at athletics, I'm just going to go, if you can shoot a basketball and you can just knock down free throw after free throw, you're, you're like, you're like money. You're automatic. It's muscle memory to do that. Uh, maybe you're good at the culinary arts. And when you get in the kitchen, there's just certain things you can whip it together and put it together and boom, away you go. Maybe in, in the in the trades, you're able to build a deck and it's solid. It sure is like, just, just give me some stuff. I, I can put a deck together. It's like, you, you, you just know it's natural for you. Maybe some of you are so incredibly artistic. You're given the the tools and and you make beautiful things out of, of, it's just art. Other people might not know what to do with it. Or perhaps you're incredibly academic, you can ace any kind of test. Just boom, you get, so it's like that with peace. Child of God, you're intended for this to be one of the dynamics that, that just, you've done it enough, you've gone through it enough. When adversity hits, peace is part of the package that you have. Well, I believe this is going to be true for us. You have been given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's been given to you, and the Holy Spirit wants to instill peace within you. You have been given the Word of God, and we're going to walk in the Word of God, and the Word of God desires that you have peace as well. And so we're just going to absorb what God's Spirit says and what the Word of God says, and uh, here's how we begin. Our friends from the Bible Project have done a full Old Testament to New Testament word study on peace. We're going to begin there before we dive in particularly in Luke and in the New Testament with what we're doing. Let's look to the screens. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. 
In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting, it also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom, and his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. Well, how good to be in this moment together. We're going to dive into God's Word. Welcome to those of you who are in the online experience. I'm just going to plant the seed. We're going to participate in communion at the close of the teaching, so please find something that you can participate with us in the moment. Well, something very ironic. Uh, yesterday uh, afternoon, 2 o'clock, I was at the matinee performance at the Grand Rapids Civic Theater of The Sound of Music. I know. I don't know if I have to turn a man card in or not. It was really, really good. I, I might I, we'll, we'll see. Uh, jury's still out on that. But my wife loves it. She's got that thing memorized. I'd never seen it before. It was phenomenal. Here's, here's the issue for me. I deeply enjoy our worship service, which is at 6 o'clock here on Saturday night. I'm supposed to share this message on peace at 6 o'clock on Saturday night. And the performance went on and on and on. It was nearly 4 o'clock it was intermission. And by the time it, it, it ended and I left and I got here in the building, by the time I walked into this space, it was 5.53. I'm usually here at 4.30, kind of at the latest, at 5.53. Well, um, I, I was, so what I was not doing, I was not simply shouting, serenity now on the way. I was asking God to give me peace. Uh, uh, those of you who know the serenity now quote way back from Seinfeld days, know that that doesn't actually help. It's just uh, a road to being a crazy maker when you just simply stuff and stuff your feelings and emotions and your issues and your problems. And I, I was like thankful that the Lord gave me peace. Now, as far as 
as the worship team and the rest of the crew, I didn't realize it was going to be that late. I don't know how much of a heads up I gave them, but they told Alex, our drummer, who's a phenomenal drummer, he was on if I didn't show up. So he was sweating a little more than, than you usually look calm, cool, and collected. He still looked calm, cool, and collected, but he seemed extra relieved uh, that, that Pastor Jim walked in the door. Uh, so we're going to read this scripture where Jesus says that I, Jesus will give us peace, not as the world does. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. And so we're going to have a peace that the world can't give. And even though we might love comfort food, we might love a nice hot tea, those are not really the sources of anything in this world uh, that, that is going to bring true peace to us. A little story for Pastor Jeff and Lori Bond. Uh, on their Thanksgiving, they showed up and they brought brownies to Thanksgiving, and it was announced that, that the Bonds brought special brownies for Thanksgiving. Well, some, some relatives got excited about the special brownies until they said, no, special, they're gluten-free brownies. I don't know what you're thinking about, but uh, they're gluten-free brownies. Uh, nonetheless, uh, that's not that big of a deal, but I, I, I found humor in all that. So, in the Word of God, spiritual power, spiritual fruit is intended to roll out of our lives. And one of the spiritual powers, the spiritual fruit that's intended to roll is peace. Likewise, we are given weapons for spiritual battle, the spiritual armor. And one of those is the shoes of peace. So the fruit of peace, the shoes of peace are given to us. And we don't simply shout, serenity now! What, what, what we get to do is what we learned in the Word of God. We've got shalom. We have shalom. We have this full essence of peace that, that we can have. For the Hebrew people, they just bookend every conversation with shalom. It's the greeting on the front end. Shalom. It's how you say goodbye on the back end. Shalom. I suppose if you ever met a really chatty Hebrew individual, you could simply go, shalom, and you've said hello and goodbye all at once, and it's a word of depth. You've had a real meaningful conversation, simply in that one word, and you're just on your way. Well, uh, if you remember, I, I th think this is interesting. Uh, there was a movie that came out a few years ago called Shazam, and Shazam simply had to call the name. He was, he was a 12-year-old, and and even when he called the name Shazam, he, he turned into an adult, but he still had these childish, childlike ways. And I want to just kind of put out there, I think the shalom of God is a bit like that. That we go, oh Lord God, please give to me shalom. Shalom. And the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We're going to read a lot of scripture. So like Shazam used to call it Shazam and he was transformed. I believe that when we read the word of God, we call out Shalom and just trust that God is going to transform our lives. We're God's children, but God's going to bring a spiritual maturity into our midst as we embrace Shalom. So let's, let's, let's do that now. We're going to go to this passage from John 14, 27. So let me read to you and you're going to see the Shalom <clears throat> response. Here we go. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world does. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Here we go. Shalom. Oh, let's do it again. You ready? Here we go. Shalom. Let's bring it. All right. So Mary and Joseph are the ch poster children for shalom. They've got this it factor. When we look at their lives, we wind up seeing going, wow, they seem to have it and it would be peace. P participate on this, would you? 
You don't have to do it for my sake. Just, just do it so that you know. Thumbs up every one of these that you resonate with. Have you ever had unexpected circumstances in your life? Just, just thumbs up. Okay, the, the child, well, I didn't know he was going to have a child. I didn't know she was going to have a child. What do you know? Okay. Um, a transition to travel experience that was kind of arduous. Transition travel. Was, okay, thumbs up that if you... 90-mile donkey journey for those two. Didn't know. Ah, Caesar Augustus issues a decree. There we go. Some decree is issued and away you go. Uh, you ever had a housing shortage issue? There was no place for them to stay? Thumbs that up if you've had that experience. Uh, <clears throat> you really dislike taxes. I don't know. They didn't say they dislike taxes, but they got there. And I'm just going to guess, uh, we make this journey. Now we got taxes to pay. Nonetheless, that kind of is a undercurrent through there. Some of you are toothless going, hey, I don't like that. I don't understand the finance thing. Um, let's call it awkward people moments. Just the fact that you're betrothed and in that culture, you, you know, what are you doing being with child? And then I think the innkeeper thing's awkward. It seems like it landed well. It's probably sort of kind of taking care of them. We don't really know. But it just was awkward. You know, you, awkward people situations. Just new children in your life, in your home. Uh, woo, that's, there you go. That, all of these, all of these moments, Mary and Joseph navigated with peace. Um, so we can do this. Have you ever had that experience? And sure, yep, 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 yep. What about the next time? The next time that you have this experience, shalom, my friend. May the peace of God rule in your hearts and in your minds. Trust that that's going to happen. Trust that it has already happened, but trust that it is going to be an increasing reality in your life. We can call these fun facts or we can call them startling statistics. But when you look it up, you find that for adult people in the United States of America, 40 million have some kind of diagnosed anxiety disorder. That, that's, that's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people. Oh, and that's 18% of the population. And if we go to teenagers, 25% of the teenage population has some kind of anxiety issue as well. Uh, let's go to the list. We've got a list of eight things, uh, general anxiety and panic attacks and social anxiety and phobias and stress and OCD and PTSD and major depression. Looked up the stats on this. And just to, just to kind of resonate for a moment, four of them wound up really standing out. And I'm just going to say, if you can look at the list, there's a top four that you're going to see with the amount of adults in the United States that have issues and have to battle through those kind of things. So just see, see which ones you get, all right? You probably have had enough time on it. And this is where the total social anxiety and major depression and phobias, 15, 16, 19 million. And for what it's worth, everybody looked it up. Everybody has stress. Everybody has that. Uh, I, this is something that is common to all of us and to many of us to navigate in ways that we rely upon God in a special, special way. Let's read from the Word of God and be ready to respond with your shalom. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Here we go. Shalom. Excellent. <clears throat> but after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Shalom. One more. Glory to God in the highest 
and on earth peace to those on whom God's favor rests. Shalom. It's the angels singing. We got three points we're going to reference out of God's word today. And the first is incarnation illuminates peace. It's kind of a big word. We're using big words on purpose. Big words, uh, theological words, uh, incarnation that God, the divine, has shown up in the flesh. That the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, became a child. That, that incarnation happened in that moment in the manger in Bethlehem, and incarnation continues to happen in our lives as God meets us and God shows up in our lives. Glory to God in the highest. And what is accompanied with that? And on earth, peace on those whom God's favor rest. There's this connecting point. The more glory, the more peace. And, and when you give glory to God, it ought to put peace in our lives. When we have peace in our lives, we just naturally give more glory to God. And, and when we give more glory to God, then this, this thing just snowballs and there's peace and glory and peace and glory. Mary responds by saying, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have spoken. Joseph responds with his call, it's uh, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And, and he did that. Just, he took a God path. So when we wind up saying, okay, God, where do you want me to serve? A natural result of just serving where God says serve, it's, it's peace. A natural result of taking the path that God says, hey, 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 bud, bud, not that path, not that path, this path. I've got this. There's peace that naturally follows that. A natural byproduct of going, Praise God. Thank you, God. God did that. God, I see your work. Glory to God. Peace is a natural byproduct. We're going to dive into this, this next chunk of Scripture, and we're going to stay with Luke. Luke is the gospel of peace. And this is, Luke 10 is the most peace-filled, peace-dense, peace-rich uh, dialogue that Jesus has. And here's how it begins. The harvest is plentiful. Jesus is speaking to 72 individuals, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the harvest field. And he's saying, I am sending you, and you're going to be like lambs amongst wolves. Here's how you're going to travel. Light. Don't take an extra purse. Don't take extra money. Don't take extra luggage. And here's how you enter a house. When you enter, first say, peace, to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Did, did, did you catch that? Does it say, and on earth, peace on those whom God's favor rests. There's something about God's favor resting on people and people experiencing peace that not only happens to us, but it happens through us as well. That we should not ever fear speaking God's peace into other people's lives. Here's, here's an analogy that Jesus uses just a couple of chapters later in Luke 12. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry, do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Oh, and I messed it up. We're supposed to say shalom, aren't we? You ready? Here we go to respond. Here we go. Shalom. Let's do it again because we missed it. Here we go again. Shalom. Excellent. Don't, don't you dare worry. Let's, let's, do, let's do the people who are traveling from one place to the next. 
the context is this, that ministry illuminates peace. So Jesus has sent them out to do ministry, and ministry ought to illuminate peace. And so he says, wherever you go, whatever they give you to eat, go ahead and eat it. Whatever they give you to drink, go ahead and drink it. And so the missionaries uh, throughout the ages have eaten and drunk some pretty, some pretty wackadoodle kinds of things through the word. You know, this is where it's like, just, just eat what's put before you. Have peace about it. You're going to be okay. And, and just connect and enjoy with people. But there are times that you speak peace into homes and into other people's lives. And they may well receive it. And God's favor will rest upon them. And so let me first charge and challenge us to say the kind of things that God's word says. May the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God the Father, and may the fellowship of God's spirit rest upon you. That you might speak in conversations, oh, friend, I, I'm trusting God's peace is going to go with you. It's, it's called, let me, let me treat you like you're all a bunch of chaplains, may I? Because we're talking about ministry. There will be times, middle schooler, there will be times, college student, there will be times in, 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 in soccer settings and in all kinds of different places on job sites, you're going to go, hey, friend, I'm praying that God's peace and wisdom are going to fill your life. And you're just going to speak it out. It's called an open-eyed prayer. It's called a blessing. And you just speak it and you say it. And if they receive it, God's peace is going to rest upon them in mighty ways. But you have to speak it out. Say it. Say, and, okay, and you know what? If they, if, if they don't receive it, shake it off. He, Jesus tells them, the, the disciples, to shake the very dust off their feet if, if people don't respond. It's like, yeah, you know, I spoke it. It's, it's, it's up to you and God now if you receive that or not. Don't, don't, don't worry that you've lost a friend or anything. Just shake it off. Go on. And my, my heart aches over any of the moments where we do have to shake it off because we want God's peace to rest in all kinds of settings, in all kinds of situations. And there might be times, friends, that you actually go, hey, you know, you're really going through something. Can we, can we pause and pray on that one right there? Can we do that? And you pause and you pray real direct and distinct. And I might just say this, pray for peace and pray for wisdom to be given to them. Pray the kind of things that you know. Pray, Lord, allow them to serve in places you know that they should serve because we know that that is a bright. But Lord, help them give glory to God. Pray the kind of things that produce peace in people's lives. And, and then the word of God says, don't worry about what you eat drink or about what you wear. You know, check out the birds. They're well fed. Check out the flowers in the fields. Ah, they're beautiful. And by the way, Jesus says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to their lives? Um, has, has anybody pulled that one off yet? Have you, have you added some real vibrancy with, with, with the worry ward? You had, you, had, you had worry wards. You had all kinds of, I, I looked it up. What happens to people when they worry? And here's what happens. Doctors say you get headaches and you get tummy aches. Um, oh, you get you, you don't sleep very well. And high blood pressure. There you go. That's what we get by worrying. We get those are the byproducts of worrying. We can't extend life, but we can definitely limit life with worry. Um, so the trees are beautiful. The ornaments have really big prayer requests put in them. If you haven't had an opportunity to place a really big prayer request before the Lord, I invite you as we do the last song or at the end of the service to uh, come up, find one of the baskets, take an ornament, pop the top off, write on the paper, put it in, 
put, it, put, the ornament, put that back in the ornament, put it on the tree. So, and that is the kind of moment when God likes to show off. If you seek first his kingdom, if, you're, if you treasure the things that God treasures, God will give you all this other stuff that you're worried about. That's what the word of God says. And so we'll say, God, I'm deeply concerned about this and I'm gonna seek your kingdom and your righteousness and you've got this. And I think there's been times in your rascally moments where some of you might have, have been given some kind of challenge. You kind of wanna show off and you tell somebody, hey, here, hold this, watch this, you know, hang on to this, I got something I'm gonna do. And, and I think what God desires to do when we display fervency in prayer, God says, watch this. They're pursuing my heart, they're pursuing the things that I wanna pursue, and they've asked about a job. And they've asked about, <laughs> they've asked about it, a relationship. Watch this. And, and it says in the book of James that the effectual fervent prayer, fervent prayer, fervency of a righteous person availeth much. I think what we do by writing requests on ornaments and putting them on a tree is an act of fervency. We're not just going, oh, Lord, help me with this. We're really being intentional about it. And it might go on. If you've got a person, a situation, fervency, you can do physical things that, that help you delve into fervency. And so if there's some kind of location where you have an issue or struggle in, you, you, you walk around it. Maybe that location is a hospital. Maybe it's a home. Maybe it's a school building. Maybe it's a place of work. But you start talking out loud and praying to the Lord. It may take you, oh my, it might take you 20 minutes to walk around it. Some of these things, they're not that arduous. But it is an act of fervency to walk around the things where our spirits are troubled and we give it to God. We're not worried about it. We're declaring by faith that God is going to give us peace in this moment and God's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. That God is going to walk on water and we're going to walk on water as God directs us. We're praying that people's hearts will come to Christ that have never come to Christ. We're praying that, that a home will be blessed with a child that, that, that desires to be blessed with a child. We're praying that a relationship will be restored. We're praying for all kinds of things that match up with the desire of God and we just walk around it and we trust God for it and we wait on God's perfect timing. And maybe if we don't walk around it, maybe we sit on it. We just go sit in front of it or sit right at it or sit in that chair wherever it's appropriate to just, you know, squat on down and hang on around a while and we talk to God and we give it to God. And we see what God does. Ministry illuminates peace. Let's read a few more scriptures, all right? Be ready to shout out shalom, okay, on here. But the fruit of the Spirit, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here we go. Shalom. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you might be able to stand your ground. And it talks about all kinds of spiritual armor. Also, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Here we go. Shalom. Peace. It's the only one on both lists. Spiritual fruit is intended to naturally grow in your life as the Holy Spirit is alive within you. So you have experienced it. 
Keep allowing it to grow. And what does fruit do? It's not just for you, but it's for others who come near you that, that they are nourished. When life gets tough, when you get squeezed, does the fruit of God pour out? It is intended to do so. Spiritual armor, put it on. It is not optional. You're going to walk around. We're going to get spiritually concussed. Uh, we're going to get spiritually just have the snot knocked out of us. And, and our feet are intended to have shoes of peace. What does that mean? Where we go, we bring it. So if that atmosphere doesn't have it, well, guess what? You strapped it on your tootsies and you walked into it. So there it is. You just brought the peace. You've passed the peace. You've spoken peace. You've done things in atmospheres that bring peace and wholeness. Not just an absence of conflict, but a fullness of the wisdom of God. So when we put these things together, the first point and the second point, what we wind up getting is incarnational ministry is illuminating peace. So the places where you go, child of God, you're doing incarnational ministry in those settings. It's a beautiful thing. It's what God so deeply desires. But what does the enemy want to do? Yeah, the enemy wants to steal good stuff. Steal peace. Destroy peace. Kill peace, if possible. I've been trying as best I can to go back and read the first few pages of the Bible when I'm reading other parts of the Bible and know that the first two, three pages, Genesis 1 through 3, illuminate all kinds of scripture. Like the first parts of Genesis and the last parts of Revelation, woo, crazy important. And the middle, it's the cross and the resurrection. It's all connected. That's, those are the connector points in the Word of God, and everything else is leading and flowing out of those kind of places. And what we find as we read the first few parts of the Bible, what is God creating out of? It says the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and the best translation for waters are the chaos waters. And what does God do? God speaks, let there be light, illuminate. Let there be light, and there was, and the light was separated from the darkness, and there was day, and there was night. So what God is doing in creative work is speaking separation of certain things, ordering certain things, naming certain things. Now, now think about times that we might just do that in physical spaces in our life. Like, clean up your bedroom, you know, that kind of deal. I better clean, you know, clean out the fridge. I cleaned out the fridge. Boy, there was some, you know, things hit that tipping point. I was eating it the other day, and I shouldn't be eating it today. You know, that kind of thing. It's time to clean out the fridge, clean out the pantry. It, my, my mom, from the time I was an itty-bitty, made me make my bed every day. I mean, she made me make my bed. I can't undo that good habit. I have to make my bed. And it does something. You know what it does? creates peace. It, so cleaning up physical spaces or ordering them, putting them in their proper place, it does bring peace. Now, let's take that a step further. Think about, think about other emotional junk drawers in our life or space, emotional places in our life, relational spaces in our life, and, and we might have a task or our task list. What... How do we so order that in such a way? We need to separate and name some things that we haven't separated or named in our task. People. 
There are some people that we need to separate and name the kind of people they are and name the kind of people they are, meaning we might need to spend more time with a certain group of people and less time with a certain group of people. More time doing these tasks, less time doing these tasks. That we need to drop some bad habits like they are actually bad habits because they are bad habits. That, that time and jobs and roles. So, so you see where we're going? Yeah. You are going to be doing creative work restorative work that brings peace. Now, here's what I trust. The Holy Spirit spoke something to you. What was it that Holy Spirit spoke to you? Well, then go do that. Then go, so order your life in such a way, if it's a task, if it's a person that needs to be dismissed or needs to be elevated, you need to go into those kind of places. You need to step into being the God's servant. You need to walk God's path. You need to give glory to God. And the peace that surpasses all understanding will infill your life. It is good stuff. Let's read a couple more scriptures. Let's do this one. So here's, here's how we're leading into this passage in Luke 24. There's been three appearances of Jesus in regards to resurrection. The first is just, he wasn't at the tomb, and people keep showing up at the tomb. The second was, he took a walk with some of his disciples and revealed himself. It's called the Emmaus Walk. And now they're gathered back in that upper room. And Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, huh, what do you know? Peace, shalom, be with you. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Here we go. Shalom. This is how the book of Romans ends. May the God of what? peace. This is going to be ironic. May the God of peace, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Here we go. Shalom. Resurrection. Jesus defeats death. That illuminates peace. The fact that God wins, that you have no enemy in your way, death, not the devil of hell himself, has been defeated. It should illuminate peace in our lives. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You have an it factor about you. You don't have to say shazam. We get to say shalom. And the peace of God is going to infill our heart. Give God glory. Serve. Follow God's path. And, and it's something when it says, may the God of peace crush Satan. We go back to chapter 3 of Genesis. And after the fall of humanity, God says, oh, okay, so the serpent, the deceiver, is going, to, is going to strike the heel of the offspring of the woman, referring to the Messiah, referring to Christ, but he will crush the serpent's head. Friends, you might have been struck by anxiety of some kind, certain of it. Stresses and worries of this life, they strike but by the power of the risen God, Jesus Christ himself, boom, God crushes that stuff because God is a God of life.